everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. I am Ben, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host Jonah. Hello, it is Jonah. Hello, Jonah. It is Ben. How's it going, Ben? Not too bad. Uh, My parents are up here this week. Well, the last, like, five days. They're leaving on Tuesday morning, so it has been nice to have them around, and we celebrated my grandmother's 93rd birthday today so wow family gathering today so that was nice that's up there yeah for sure what did you do for it and it's uh we went to my aunt's house and had food we didn't have 93 candles on the cake that would would have been too much um that would be nice yeah right can you imagine i watched lord of the Um, rings on saturday and there was the 111st birthday cake with 111 candles on it the Sorry, with eleventy one candles on it. The difference is, I don't think we had the same budget as the Lord of the Rings <laughs> did for their sets and cakes. But no, it was nice. It was nice to get together with uh, the family and uh, attempt to talk to my grandma while her hearing aid barely functioned and she couldn't hear a thing. So yes, a lot of yelling. Aids. Grandma, mom, <laughs> Gigi. So yeah. A lot of yelling but it was fun it was nice so. that's good did you play anything yeah. with anyone while you were there not while i was there i was only there for a couple hours um so i didn't play anything but i did play some games last night well one game a couple sessions of said game last night and a few things earlier this week but uh the first thing that i've been i mean mostly have been doing you you know i don't like horror movies right you're aware are you yes, aware of this? I movie? think so. Alright. I don't like horror movies. And I don't there's no it's not like I'm like, oh god, a horror movie. I'm just scared. I'm a scared little baby. Yeah, me uh, too. And to insult Patrick, who loves horror movies a little bit, at not directly insult Patrick, but he's going to be insulted by what I do. I've discovered this YouTube channel called Dead Meat, and all he does is like well, not all he does, but like the majority of what he does is just kill count videos from horror movies. Interesting. So I've literally just been watching like essentially like binge watching just random kill count videos of horror movies. So I see the entire horror movie, but I'm only watching like the kill counts because it's fun, but I don't actually watch the horror movies. So like I feel like that is like an insult to someone who likes horror movies. So Patrick, don't hate me that much. I don't think Patrick has too much of a snobbery. No, you, yeah, I know. I'm sure he'll say something like that. I Now that I've seen it, I should just watch the movie. But I don't know. It's fun. It makes me sound like a psychopath, I think, a little bit. But no problem. I'm, watching, I'm, I'm literally just watching people get killed in a horror movie. So it's weird. But it's fun. I don't know. So that's pretty much that's what I've been doing uh, in like in the background of things when I'm not playing games. I'm just sitting here like bored and watching kill count videos. How did you so, yeah. stumble upon them? Um, You know what? I think I stumbled upon it because I was watching a movie trailer. If I recall correctly, I was watching a movie trailer and then something popped up about like a horror movie. And I think if I recall correctly, it was hollow, the new Halloween, like Halloween kills or whatever. Okay. And I was, and I like went on Wikipedia cause I was interested in like the weird plot line of Halloween. 
And then when I searched it, it like popped up in my because Google's always watching. Mm. It popped up in my YouTube recommendations and I was like, oh, this seems fun. And I just clicked on it and it I don't know. It, then I spiraled. I, I mean, I recommend it. It's fun. I mean, if you don't like horror movies because you don't like I don't like the jump scares, mm-hmm. but I don't but I want to see what happens because like some of them sound like they're they got some fun action. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Reasonable. It's been fun. It's been did fun. I tell you that we saw a movie in the theaters this past week? You did. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, we saw Dune in IMAX. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah, great soundtrack. Really cool yeah. movie. Really neat ideas. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it's only going to take uh, three and a half to four years. Yeah, look, I'll forget about it by then, and then I'll rewatch this one, and it'll be wonderful. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, three movies this week. I was very Patrick. What was that? I mean, Lord of the Rings, obviously. What was the other one? Francis Ha. Okay, you did. You mentioned that too, but I wasn't. I didn't. It's this black and white movie from like 2013, directed by Noah Baumbach. Baumbach, I don't know how to say it. He did Marriage Story, which had Adam. Yes. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, right? Right. Anyway, it was all right. It's it wasn't my type of movie, but we have a friend who wanted to watch it, and I was like, sure. So yeah, we watched that's it. Fair. What did your movie watching guests think of Lord of the Rings? Yeah, they liked it. Uh, we are going to schedule the next movie at some point. Uh, for those listening, we had some friends over, some adult friends, some fully formed adults that had never seen the Lord of the Rings. I mean, my my girlfriend is a fully formed adult who's never seen Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's just as shocking to me, Ben. Yeah, I won't. I won't lie. It's <laughs> this is gonna sound so messed up. I mean, not messed up, but like when I was, you know, obviously dating apps are like the way that most people go nowadays. And when I was like talking on dating apps to some people, and they were like. Oh, what movies do you like? Well, I'm like, well, my favorite movies are Lord of the Rings. And they're like, oh, I've never seen that. Like, you would not believe how many people were like, oh, I've never seen that. I don't want to believe it. And I was just like, I don't know if they're like saying that because they want me to like say, oh, well, let's watch it. Or Ooh. if they're or if they just legit have never seen it. But I'm like, wow, really? Like, I mean, I get that they're long movies and they're like fantasy movies, but I swear I more people have said they haven't seen it to me on there than people who have. It's crazy. That's disgusting. We have to change the topic. I can't think about these people who have never seen Lord of the Rings. Board games. I have, wait, ben. can I can I ask one more question of you? Oh, because please. I was because I was at my uh, my aunt's house today, and I wasn't in front of a TV. Did the Giants win? Yeah, they beat the Raiders. <laughs> okay, because I think the TV was on in the other room, and my cousins and my dad were watching, and it sounded like they said Giants won, but. But that can't be right. It sounds very unlikely, so I had to check with you. Yeah, sure (laughs) enough, they did. It's on my other tab on Google saying Giants defeat Raiders. (laughs) So I could just look there. But yeah, uh, board games. That's what we talk about here. I want to hear about your game with Nick. Okay. My game with Nick was the first game I played this week, so that's that's good. Uh, So I have tried, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on here before, but I have tried in the past to play Gloomhaven, the full big box game, not Jaws of the Lion, which 
Ashley and I need to restart because it's been so long since we've played it, but we do want to play that as well. Um, big box Gloomhaven. Um, I owned the board game in like the in-person real life board game, not the digital versions that are out there. I sold it at the height of its popularity while I was playing Gloomhaven with Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Pat- Patrick's campaign and I, I say in very loosely. I was just like a character that dropped in, dropped out. A traveler. But yeah, a dabbler and a traveler and both put together. Um, but I don't live that close to Patrick. So getting down there on weeknights to play Gloomhaven was not the easiest thing in the world. So I respectfully bowed out of the campaign and let them finish it. So I have probably played in the past four, maybe three missions of Gloomhaven. And that's about it. And Nick messaged in the discord channel earlier last week and was like, Oh, a Gloomhaven digital fully released. So the whole campaign is on the, the digital version on steam. Does anybody want to join for a campaign? And I was like, you know what? I'm much more likely to play if I don't need to leave my house. Yeah, it's not a fire drive to your computer. Yeah, exactly. So while I did need to buy in for $35 because everybody needs to buy the digital version to play really? it. Yes. Um, which I didn't know when I said I would play. I only found out the night before we started because I was like, oh, do I need the do I need a copy or can you just invite me? So it was 35 bucks. So, you know, That's it's not the cheapest steep. thing in the world. Yeah, it is a little steep. But at the same time, it's been in early access for like a year. So I could have bought it cheaper Mm. had I known or wanted to. But again, the two of us, let's say the two of us play the campaign with nobody else joining. $70 to play Big Box Gloomhaven, which goes for like 100 plus still, is still not a bad buy-in. Yeah, especially, especially if we play the whole thing. The setup and teardown not happening and being able to play exactly. across the country from someone. Exactly. So I have joined his Gloomhaven campaign. Um, he and I restarted from the beginning. I guess he was a little ways in on his solo campaign, but he's mm-hmm. coming back to the beginning. So I'm hosting it technically. Um, and I played the tutorial, <coughs> which is the tutorial is the first mission, but I right. played I played like maybe five minutes of it just to refresh the rules. And then I stopped because I didn't want to play through the first mission alone. I wanted to play with Nick. So on Tuesday night, I downloaded and installed the game and we got started trying to play the first mission. And our adventuring party is named Jonah's Friends because we couldn't couldn't think of a better name. Very fitting. So that is the name of our adventuring party. And we went out into the world to try and play Gloomhaven. So the way it went, and I'd heard in the past that the first mission of real Gloomhaven was difficult. Like I've heard people are like, oh, we need to play it a couple times to get through it. Um, Nick and I had to play more than a couple of times to get through it. Um, How long did each time take? The first time probably took... 15 20 minutes because we were just getting the hang of like playing together the second time probably took about the same but we went a little quicker this time the third time uh took less time because 
we got hit with some so similar to when we were talking about kingdom death monster how there were like hunt events before you get to the showdown there are i guess you don't see cards being drawn in the digital version it just pops up with like an event but i guess there are road events on the way to a mission and for the third and fourth time we attempted the mission <laughs> Uh, road events popped up that either started us with like two discarded cards, which if you run out of cards, you have to burn right. them and never use them again to refresh. And if you event- eventually end up not being able to have a hand of two cards, your character dies. So the one that had us burn two cards uh, destroyed us pretty quick. So that one took maybe like 10 minutes. And then the fourth attempt, uh, we started with two less health. Uh, and considering I was... I'm the spellcaster who only has eight cards and like eight health. Um, that one ended in like 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Jeez. At least it's and easy to reset up. That's a huge perk of the digital edition. Exactly. I imagine and, this would have been very <laughs> annoying in person to lose and, that, and reset, lose and reset. And that actually came up at one point because we were like, are we ever going to beat this? Uh, as we were starting our fifth attempt, um, we were like, are we ever going to beat this? And I I said something along the lines of like, if we were playing in person, I would be determined to finish the mission before calling it a night and going home because all the setup just right. to play this thing like five or six times and not win would feel horrible. Yeah. But in the digital edition, I don't really feel that bad. Like if it's not going well and we want to come back to it another day, we could just shut it off and come back because it's very mm-hmm. easy. But we were determined. So uh, we played a fifth time, lost. And <laughs> on the sixth time, it might have been the fifth, but I lost count after four. Uh, Understandably. I I think it was the sixth. Um, we, we finally won. And the fun, the best part about it was we ended up winning with probably one turn before we were both going to die. My God. So that one took about a half hour, maybe 35 minutes, because we got through the entire thing and we're like almost about to die. But yeah, it took five or six attempts to beat this first mission of Gloomhaven. And we the other thing is you can change the difficulty. So in in the real game, I think you can change the difficulty, but there's like a setup change. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of the digital one is you could just click a button that makes it easy, medium, hard, insane, etc., so we be, we were playing on normal, and I don't want to I don't want to turn it to easy mode to have to beat the first mission. So we left it on normal, and we played through it. And we we did finally beat beat it, but it was fun. Um, I I will say, and I think I remember this about Gloomhaven in general when I played the first time. I I don't mind luck in board games and i know that gloomhaven is like one of the lower luck kind of board game. like it's a game without dice like the combat is card based it's not right. dice based but you know so, drawing a card from a deck is the same randomness as rolling a die yeah which is true but i guess for some people it doesn't feel the same mm-hmm. but for for me it's weird because i i like luck in games but for some reason the luck of the draw on these road events mm-hmm. is just like 
it doesn't feel good. And I know it's just one mission, but to have like two or three missions in a row where we were docked one health, docked two cards, docked two health. And I think just mentally, and this just might be a disconnect between myself and a digital board game, which is fine because I like the way the game played regardless. So I'm, you know, this is not me saying, oh, I don't like the game. I just think there's like a, a little bit of a mental disconnect where not seeing the card get drawn, it like takes away that aspect of like, oh, I'm doing something. Right. And then when it just pops up and it's like bad. It's just it's a like, random bad thing. Exactly. It's just like, oh, this just popped up and it sucks versus, oh, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. Oh, man, this card sucks. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's like that little bit of disconnect where yeah, it's, it's just definitely different to play something online. And yeah, this is one of those big differences. Yeah. But 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 it is still really cool. And they put a ton of detail and a ton of work. Like you can see how much work went into this digital edition. Like there are spell effects that happen and the the characters are animated and there are you know fully 3d model full 3d models of the rooms and everything it's really well done um it was just that one that one aspect felt kind of off to me Mm -hmm. but maybe i'll get used to it as we play but i'm looking forward to continuing so you'll probably hear more about our gloomhaven campaign as it progresses yeah i hope and yeah it does look really good on yeah. steam yep it is a little unfortunate that everybody needs to buy in for 35 bucks because i'd say like oh like you could drop in for one game but yeah you're not going to drop in for one game for 35 dollars like it's just not going to happen so yeah. yeah cool i'm looking forward to hearing about the next one yeah definitely i will keep everybody informed do you uh do you play anything earlier this week yeah so I forget if I talked about this last week or not, so I'm just going to talk about it now to cover my bases. Um, I played a trick-taking game called Owl About. And Owl About has a great description on BoardGameGeek, and I'm just going to read the first sentence of it. In the trick-taking game Owl About, lazy owls are competing to not be the tribal leader as they do not want to have to work hard every day. So already I'm on board with the theme. (laughs) slacking owls right wonderful i don't see i don't remember you talking about this and maybe i'm crazy too but like i feel like i would have known if this was a game you talked about okay perfect so in owl about it is a trick-taking game and you are playing to 10 points and as soon as someone has 10 points whoever has the lowest score wins Okay, okay. So, so it's like golf. It is like golf, except you can give other people points. So in the trick taking, there are two uh two forms of trick taking, I guess. So the owls can either be in ascent or in descent. So if they are in ascent, well in the whole game there just aren't suits. But if you are in ascent, if I play a six, then everyone else has to play a six or higher if they can. So the following of suit is the playing higher if you can. Um, But if you can't play higher, you, of course, can play something lower, and you wouldn't be able to win that trick because, you know, the highest number wins. But then there's some interesting interaction because each number has a special power on it as well. So if we are in ascent and I play a six, 
and you have something higher and you play a nine and you play a nine and the nine would be higher than a six but if the next person plays and they don't have anything higher than a six let's say they play a one well a one is of course lower than those two but if there is a nine played when there is a one then the one has a power of 12. So it kind of is like Gugong with the one beating the nine when you have to play yeah. above it. Uh, so that's how that works. And then each number, like I said, has a power, but that power only comes into play if that number won the trick. So I believe the six, I mean, I have to check, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I believe the six makes it so you change from ascent to descent. So if you win a trick with a six, then now we are going, we are flying down, we are in descent. And if I play a five, you have to play something lower if you can. And something lower, well, the lowest thing wins. And if there's ever a tie, it's just whichever one was played first. But the powers stay active, which means if I play a four and you want to play something lower, you can play a one, which is great. That's probably going to win. But if the next person doesn't have something lower than a four, they can play a nine, which makes your one worth 12. I was just about to ask that. Yeah. So like if that situation could come up. Yeah. So that situation does come up and it's really interesting. And there are day owls and night owls. There are only a few night owls. And I'm talking about the numbers and the strength. They call it the speed and the fighting power. So the night owls are, I believe, three, five and seven speed. So speed is when you are playing something higher or lower. And then the fighting power on this on the night owls is too higher than their speed. So it plays as a five, but fights as a seven, basically. Okay. And then the final thing that I need to cover is I mentioned the points. So when you win a trick that is going to go in front of you and that's going to maybe have a trophy and the trophies are just points at the end and whoever has the most trophies is going to I believe yeah the for, the person who has the most trophies gets that many points and then the other <laughs> players get I'm, points I'm reading it now. equal to their <laughs> difference between the top player yeah, so, so all if you other have players... four trophies and I have three and Patrick has one, you would get four points. I would get one point because I am just behind you and Patrick would get three points. So you want to have the second most trophies, which is an interesting balance to strike because obviously you have to have a lot or near the most. Okay. So there's some really cool card play going on there. And then the thing with the night owls is if you take all of the night owls i think it was three night owls you score zero points no matter what but your trophies still count for everyone else which means your trophy differential can really hurt other people so if you get all of the night owls you just try and win as many tricks as you can get a huge amount of trophies and then the other people just get tons of points because of it okay so just really quick because one point of confusion that is coming up from the BGG description. Yes, please. I know I know it's a tricky game to wrap your head around. At the end of the hand, the player with the most trophies will earn that many points. Correct. With most tricks being worth one trophy. 
Yeah, so there is a card that is worth two trophies. Okay. And also the power of some of them let you pass lead to someone else. There's another power where you can give someone else a plus three strength to their card, which, you know, could be great for sticking them with more trophies, or it could be great for putting them out of the running if we are in descent instead of ascent. Okay. Descent and ascent, I should say. The confusion for me, because you said, like, you want to have the lowest points. Yeah, so when someone gets to 10 points, the game ends, and whoever has the lowest points wins. Because the last line on the BGG is, player play continues until players reach a specified victory count victory point count, and then the player with the most points wins. Uh, that is not correct. <laughs> Dang it, BGG descriptions? Probably because the game and the entire rulebook are in Japanese. That's fair. I mean, it makes sense if you're a lazy owl right. that it's the least points. I was just reading that, and I was like, eh, yeah, that's bizarre. I'm confused. So, but no, I mean, I will be honest. This sounds like a trick-taking game I would enjoy. Yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> um, when we started playing it, so the person who taught us said, do you want to play the full version or the not full version? And we're like, what do you mean? And he said, well, you can play without the card number powers. And we're like, well, you know, why would we do that? Let's just let's go for it. Because, you know, we were just a group of people who play a stupid amount of trick-taking games so of course we were willing to try all of it but i will admit i was pretty confused for a good part of it trying to remember what the numbers did how the trophies worked and you know the ascent the ascent and the descent were easy to understand but trying to remember following suit but it being a numerical thing to have to follow Mm -hmm. and trying to juggle the balance with the trophies you know it felt like a, a bit much, but I think that was just because it was my first game of it. And after yeah. understanding it, it would have gone better. But yeah, it was definitely really interesting. And what I'm liking, and I'm sure you are finding this out because I keep talking about them, but I'm really liking all these new trick-taking games I'm trying because there are just so many interesting versions or so many yeah. interesting takes on the genre, right? Well, I mean, we're getting a like a new trick-taking game every week, so yeah. that's pretty cool. By yeah. we, I don't mean a new one is being released every week. Um, I mean, you're playing a new one every week <laughs> yeah. and talking about it. Though I'm sure plenty new ones are being released that we just don't know about as well. There's one on Kickstarter now that a few people I know in the trick-taking group I'm a part of have played. And it is a zombie trick-taking game where cards come back from the dead, apparently. Interesting. Yeah, so I have to look into that one more. But anyway, Owl About. And it was pretty neat. And before I let you talk about your next game, I'm just going to talk about one more because it's another trick-taking game and it's easy to talk about. I played a few more missions of the crew number two, Underwater. Boogaloo. Underwater Boogaloo, that's right. And I think I officially, even though I already knew this, I officially like the first one better. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is only because it, seems more cohesive and thought out because a lot of well pretty much every mission in the crew number two has a difficulty number and there's just Mm -hmm. this this deck of tasks 
and you draw tasks until the numbers on the back, the difficulty level, is equal to what you have to do this time. And, you know, that's really neat and it adds to the replayability, but sometimes you just get these really, really hard combinations. And when you, when you fail and retry, you can choose to retry with the same cards or you can choose to retry with different cards. And to me, that almost makes it feel like you're not playing the same game each time. But, you know, that is, I think, a perk for other people and a slight detriment for me. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, everybody thinks about certain things different ways, so that might be good for one, not so good for another. From what I've heard you explain, I think the first one sounds more interesting as well. Yeah. But but I also don't love trick-taking games in general, so I don't think either one would be one that I would play the whole way through. Mm-hmm. I would play a mission here or there, but, you know, that's me, so... So yeah, that's the crew number two. Uh, last week we played missions seven through nineteen inclusive, so we made it to number twenty, and we went thirteen and seven, so we did really well. I think we yeah. made, we went through the first six of those missions without a single fail, which was great. But then these missions are a lot tougher, and we just got some really bad combinations of tasks. And that's what's weird to me, because there is no bad combination of tasks, or there is much less of that in the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember a f- I don't remember anything from the first one, personally, that I didn't think was, like, a neat objective. Yeah. From the ones I've played, so... Yeah, there are some really I cool ones in there. I could definitely see that, so... But it's great on Board Game Arena, because just like Gloomhaven, you click a button and it restarts, and that's yeah. delightful. For sure. Uh, speaking of clicking a button and restarting, please. Uh, no, I'm kidding. This one has. Are we starting the podcast over? Because uh... I hope not. <laughs> uh, the next game that I played has been a long time coming. So oh. a long, a long time ago, uh, Greg gave me some games out of the goodness of his heart because he's like the nicest person, and he just like instead of selling me some games, he like gave me some games. What game is this? Can I get a hint? You know what game this is. You don't like it. <clears throat> oh, okay. Did I not send a photo of this? To yes, the continue. I okay. thought this was a game that he gave you. No, no, no. But it's a long time coming because in exchange for giving me these games, he wanted me to teach him certain oh. games. See, I can't make that connection because that's like he gives you a gift and then asks for torture. You know, it just it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> Before we get to that one specifically, though, whoa, uh, there was a game ball. that there was a game that came up before, and I actually forgot until I looked down at my BG stats, which is why I'm going to talk about this one first. Um, so we actually had four for the for the bigger game, um, but we were waiting for the fourth. So Greg pulled out a smaller game uh, to play in the meantime because it took about fifteen minutes, and it is called Rumble Nation. Oh, I feel like I know this, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting that right. Oh wait! Yeah, is this the game that this is the game he told me about? Is it Japanese? Yes. <clears throat> yes oh, yes. awesome! I really want to hear about this. Yes. So this one is called. <laughs> I couldn't tell. My thing. So my microphone has a little red light and it flashes when it's not working. But sometimes if you look down and it's like 
has just flashed. It looks like it's been on, mm-hmm. so I couldn't tell. Uh, but I'm back, clearly. Uh, so yes, Rumble Nation is the Japanese one. And it is an area control game with these little cubes. And essentially what you do is you roll three dice at the beginning of your turn. So um, the the results of the dice will tell you where you're going to place cubes. So there are 12 regions on the map. Yeah, 12 regions on the map. And at the beginning of the game, these tokens, 1 through 12, are randomly assigned to the 12 regions. Um, Certain regions are little islands that are connected to other parts of the map. Uh, One of them specifically is only connected to by one like sea route to another part of the map. So you can only get there one way, Mm -hmm. Um, but you roll your dice and on your three dice, you will take two of them and combine them like, so you'll take two of them and you can combine those two to determine like the region you place your cubes in. So combine you you add. Yeah. You add the two together. Sure. You combine you combine them. So you you roll three dice. So let's say you rolled a five, a four, and a three. That gives you the option of putting cubes in section nine, section seven, section eight uh, on the board. That remaining die will determine how many cubes you place in that region. If mm. the remaining die is a one or two, you put one cube. If it's two or or if it's three or four, you place two cubes. And if it's five or six, you place three cubes. And once everybody has placed all of their cubes, you will resolve area control from lowest to highest region. If you want to not place cubes on your turn, there are four movement abilities that you can use instead of placing cubes out. So, for example, you can... I don't remember the names of all of them, but you can like swap one of your cubes with some of your opponent's cubes that in an adjacent region, you can pull an opponent's cube over into your region. You can move your cubes out. I think two of your cubes out to another region, just other options besides putting your more cubes on the map, but it's good to get your cubes out quickly because the first person to get their cubes out, gets like a token Mm -hmm. then the second person gets another token that's a little lower than the first one and so on and that is the tiebreaker when you're assessing area control so if you're the first person to put all your cubes out you get the highest tiebreaker for resolving conflicts so where the neat part comes in and I hope I'm remembering all of this correctly because Greg was the one who resolved combat and was like going through it um, if you have one, <coughs> excuse me, if you have one combat in a region, you can then spread out to adjacent regions. So I think you put, I don't remember if it was one cube or two, but I think you put like one cube in adjacent regions. Like pandemic uh, explosions. Yeah so, yeah. so you're spreading out. So like you might think, oh, it's not worth it to put stuff in that one island where only one thing can get to it. But if you win the region that is connected to it, you can then spread your pieces over there. So like in our game, it was myself, Amanda and Greg. 
I was like, oh, nobody's going to come into this region because it's going to be okay. Like, I'll be able to win this one fairly easily. But, you know, someone was able to spread into the region. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so like things will fluctuate as you're doing it. So there's a during the game strategy, but there's also a post game strategy that you have to think about because, you know, you can think you're winning a region but then someone will win the region of a lower value and add to their strength, Mm -hmm. which can mess with your plans. It was neat. It was really quick. It was really easy. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I got smacked. I didn't play well. Uh, 20. So Greg won 31 with 31. Amanda had 27 and I had 15, but you know, I also got part of the strategy that I didn't do. Like I got myself caught on one whole side of the map. Mm-hmm. So like I even if I won a region, I couldn't spread to the other side of the map to like take any of that over. And Greg was a lot more like spread out and Amanda was a lot more spread out. So they were able to like even if they didn't win a region, they were like over there. So, you know, it, it was just e- <coughs> easier for them to to get to like certain locations. Of the map, so. so do you roll these dice in secret and then pick them simultaneously or you get to do it in turn order? It's- Turn turn order, turn by turn. So, so you, you get to see what someone sees. else chose before you allocate yours. That's interesting. Uh, no, not even that. Uh, I, I mean, yes, it, it's all turn order. There's only one set of three dice. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought everyone had their own yeah. set. Nope, it's one set of three dice. So the person in front oh. of you will do their full turn, put their pieces out, decide not to roll dice and move things instead. They will do their whole turn before you go. That's interesting that everyone's working off of the same three numbers. Yep. So, hmm. oh no 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 no! I think maybe I'm doing a bad job of explaining this. Each person does an individual roll with an individual turn, and yes. then the next person does an individual roll with an individual turn. So, okay, so I, you do get to see what the previous person decided yes, I to just, do. I just thought you meant we would roll simultaneously, but no, it's like a whole turn, and then different numbers will be rolled by the next person right. who gets okay. their whole turn. Yeah. But you get to see what the previous person did. Correct. Before you so decide you, what to do. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. And how is turn order determined? Uh, I don't remember how we determined turn order. I think uh, I think we rolled the dice, if I recall correctly. I well, that makes sense. That. Yeah. I, I think it's just random. Um, I think Greg ended up going first, but I don't think it. I don't think it really affected too much in the beginning. It was just you know, it's kind of like strategic luck. Because, and I think it's luck that you would like, mm-hmm. because when you roll these dice, it, I mean, you have options. So it's not like you only have one thing to do. You have options. I do like randomness and then decisions instead of decisions yeah. and then randomness. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was fun and it's quick and it's easy. It's something I would like to play again as a like a filler to try and update my strategy. It would not be like the centerpiece game that I would try and play in a night. Mm -hmm. But leading up to the centerpiece game that we played, it was perfect because we were just waiting for someone to show up so that we could get started on the other one. And it doesn't take up a ton of room, which is great because the other game was set up on the table when we were playing. So we were able to play it all on the same table. Sweet. So why don't you bring us over to that big game then? Sure. Uh, yes. So as I was saying before talking about Rumble Nation, I promised Greg I would teach him some games, such games as, uh, the gallerist, 
Anachrony, Tricarian, uh, Kanban. So games that Jonah doesn't like, aside from Anachrony. Um, and this one that Greg chose this time was Kanban, uh, Kanban EV, which I've given rave reviews to in the past, even though uh, Jonah's not a fan, which is fine. But this one was great. Again, I I really like this one, and it's quickly... I need to play the Gallerist again to kind of decide which one I like more. I just want to hear um, about you playing Lisboa someday. I will. I promise I will play Lisboa someday. I will also play On Mars. I'll play Vinos. I'm really excited for Weather Machine. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. I mean, I think so, all of his games look cool. I just yeah haven't enjoyed them. Yep. So... The way our night went was the the fourth player showed up and I said, do any of you know anything about this game yet? And Greg said, I watched a little bit, so I know a little bit. Uh, Amanda said, I don't know anything about this game. And Greg's friend Mark said, I don't know anything about this game. So I was like, okay, buckle in. Wow. And the the teach for the game, I think, took like, 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. I'm so proud of you for teaching games, Ben. Yeah. And what I, according to the uh, other players at the end of the game, I did a good job teaching the game, which felt good. Doesn't that feel Mark? Nice? Yes, it actually, it does. Mark did give some feedback where he said, and this is going to be funny to you because I want to hear how you might respond to this. Mark said his bit of feedback would be to tell him, what the point of the game is at the beginning. <laughs> and I replied, I don't really know what the point is. So that is, I mean, you know how I teach every single game. And yep. it is important. Well, it is important for a lot of people because if you don't do it that way, everything else doesn't make sense so just yes. to explain this to everyone everyone listening <laughs> every time i teach a game and ben likes to poke fun at me for this and it's enjoyable i say you know this game is this so i start every every game teach with the name of the game we're playing because i think it's funny so i'll say the game that we are playing is uh camel up the goal of the game is to have the most money at the end of the game you get money by placing bets on camels and this is how all of that works and when you start a teach with this overarching goal slash what the point of the game is then people can understand why you would do certain things because otherwise you know you say uh we're playing camel up on your turn you can do this but then they in their head think well why do i want to do that and people just get so stuck on why do I want to do that that they, they don't really absorb it so well. So yeah. I think it's really important to have the goal of the game at the very start of the teach because then everyone else can just draw lines from every aspect of the game to that. Why do I want to go to this worker placement spot? Oh, because it does that, which gets me this, which translates into points, which is the goal. So... But I can understand getting that feedback because sometimes yep. I'll teach something and I'll forget to say what the goal is. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, why do we want to do this? Yeah. But at the same point, 
that was where I was like, well, I need to think about what the true goal of this game is because in the in the end, I guess the goal is you want to satisfy certain conditions on these meeting cards so that you can brag about yourself in company meetings. Right. So do you win the game by having the most points? Yes. So then I would say the name of the game is Kanban EV. The goal of the game is to have the most points at the end of the game. You get points by fulfilling these meeting requirements, which happen during these meetings. And at the end of this many rounds, you know, we'll tally it up. It's just something like that. So I think, yeah, and I think I just like in, in the moment, I wasn't sure what the point of the game was, which I think you would find amusing because there's so much crap going on in his games. One might even say too much. Yeah. So like the fact that I couldn't even think of what the point of the game was is kind of a testament to that. But I think looking back on it, saying it that way probably is the way to go in the future. But it worked out. The game went well. Um, The the teach for the game was about as long as I was expecting it, but there wasn't much going on throughout the game that you know brought up any like rules quibbles the biggest one was brought up by greg and i i see what he's saying but i also don't know how to like i don't know how to say like well that's not how it works because from what i know that's not how it works but i had a great with one of the cards as well and i and i bring you up as an example when i teach this game now because i use that example to explain how to think about this is how some idiot interpreted this card this is the right way to interpret this card (laughs) not exactly but i do bring it up to say like this is how it can be interpreted but this is how it it works um but the the one rules quibble that came up from greg was when we were getting evaluated by sandra so i know sandra is like the autonomous manager character that goes through all of the departments affects the game in certain ways and docks you points for you know not performing well um and in the past i've played this game where if nobody has trained at all and i think this is the correct way to play but we didn't play it this time around which is fine because we were all you know subject to the same rules um but in the past i've played where if nobody has trained at all you still get evaluated because everybody is the least trained person. So Sandra usually only evaluates the least trained person or people in that um, spot though. I thought in that's in that spot. Correct. We decided this game, if nobody has trained yet, Sandra will not evaluate everybody because we're all, we all have done nothing. And I don't say you are all the least trained. I agree which is how I normally have played it. We didn't do it this time, so it's okay. But where the rules issue came up was further along when we all ended up on the same spot on the track again, and we have trained at some point. Greg was saying, well, if we're all trained up and at the same point, we're all the most trained as well as the least trained. So why would she evaluate us because we're not the least trained. We're all trained to the same level. And I'm like, well, technically, we're all the least trained. Right. So like yeah, that I mean, was... It doesn't matter if you're all the most and the least. The question is, 
who is the least? If the answer is all of you, then you all have to get evaluated. Which is what I kind of found online, and that's how we ended up playing it. But that was the only thing that kind of came up that was a little iffy, I think. Um, Other than that, I think the game went pretty smoothly. Um, Everybody seemed to enjoy it. It only, I mean, only. After the teach, it took two and a half hours, which I don't think is bad for three first-time players and myself. So I'd say total of three hours, maybe three hours and 15 minutes for the entire game. Um, The funniest part, and I'm sorry, Greg, for bringing this up, is that Greg got docked points at the beginning, and it took him like a solid three rounds from then just to get back beyond where we started in points, which happens. Sandra's mean. She's a meanie. Um, So the scores, um, Greg's friend Mark took the top score all time on this game with 177. Wow. Um, But no one was getting evaluated, so... (laughs) Yeah, no one was getting evaluated at the beginning, which might have changed things. Top score with an um, asterisk. No, it was it was it went well. Um, I had my personal four player best with one thirty seven. Amanda had one thirty one, and Greg had one fourteen. So he did come back. And, and what did he think of it? Closer. Or what did they think of it? They all seemed to like it. They said at the end they liked it, and I couldn't. I could honestly, I couldn't tell throughout the game. I was like, I even was texting Ashley. I'm like, I don't know if they like this game or not. Like. I can't tell, but in the end, they all, they all said that they enjoyed it. Um, and it comes, it comes together as you're playing it. And that's why I like this game. Um, and why I like his games in general. Like there's so much just to take in, which is ridiculous, but like when it all gets going to me, it like clicks together and just works. Yeah. A lot of people say that about his games. Yeah. The issue is, you need a 40 minute teach. Like I don't feel, I don't feel like I could teach this game and say, okay, I'm going to teach it for 15 minutes and then we can get started because there's so many connected bits that you like, you need to kind of explain. The only thing that I didn't explain up front was like meetings because I was like, we're not going to have a meeting in the first week when a meeting is going to trigger. So when the pace car comes around the track and hits you know, the spot that will trigger a meeting the next time Sandra gets to administration on the board. That's when I like was like, oh, I'll explain meetings then because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to talk about that when you're not going to get to it. The only thing I said was look at the goals on these cards that you have in your hand, work toward them. Right. So it's a shame I don't like any Lacerda (laughs) games because I think I would have a fun time trying to teach them. Yeah. Well, maybe you could just teach them and then go play something else. That's the game for me. I'll call you up on FaceTime. You could be our gaming rules guy. And then I've taught people games over the phone before. I taught some friends how to play Azul over FaceTime. Yeah. Well, Azul's a little easier. But that's a lot easier. Yeah. So, yeah, that was Kanban EV. And it was fun. I like it. I still like it. I want to play the Gallerist again. I want to play Lisboa. I want to play Vinos. And then I've been talking to. Do you own Lisboa? I do. I own all. I own all of his current games. Play that in the next two weeks and report back to me. <laughs> in the next two weeks. What about next week? I'm trying to give you some time. Oh, okay. All right. In the next two weeks, I'll play. I'll try and play Lisboa. Um, I also have Escape Plan. I I will say Escape Plan as of the ones I've played is my least favorite so far. It's just the most different. It's like not. It doesn't feel like a Lacerda game. Yeah, you don't have to love all of his games. Yeah, but I like, I mean, I like it. I don't, I just don't like mm-hmm. it as much as the other ones. Um, but it, it's pretty funny. I, 
I was talking to, and you might get a kick out of this. Let me see if I could find the message. It, do you have a game to talk about while I look for this message? I do. I have two quick well... games to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so we had a friend come down from Seattle this weekend to hang out with us, which was a lot of fun. We went to some open houses together, um, just looking at houses and neighborhoods and all that. And then Jessica went to the symphony orchestra last night with a few friends and we stayed in because my friend wasn't too keen on that. But uh, she and I played a game of, well, actually Jessica, Wendy and I played Crokinole. That was fun for a few minutes. Then Jessica had to get ready and we were going to go. So Wendy and I played some Santorini. So, we played one game of Santorini. We played without the god powers. And I just taught her the game and we played it. And I could tell that she was kind of in pain every move as you tend to be in a lot of abstracts. And she, you know, we played and she's not going to listen to this so I can say it. But, you know, I went easy on her and it was fun. And then after that game ended, which was, you know, three minutes later, she's like, do you have anything cooperative? <laughs> yeah, fair. And I'm just That's like, fair. sure, let's let's cooperate, Wendy. So then I went over and what game did I Hanabi. pull out? Hanabi. Shipwreck Arcana. Oh, with two players? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, she's played Hanabi before, so I figured we would try Shipwreck. And she really liked it. We played it once, and then she said, let's do that again. So that was mm-hmm. that was fun. She was uh, she killed the bottle of wine. I made her a Negroni. And, uh, yeah, we just nice. played some Shipwreck Arcana, so it was fun. I want to play Shipwreck Arcana again. Yeah, it's great. But uh, nice. that's it for me. All right. Well, I found the message, so it's pretty funny. I, as as everybody knows at this point, I like disc golf as well as board games. Um, <clears throat> and I am Confirmed. in a Discord for MVP Disc Sports because they do like giveaways and stuff for mm-hmm. the disc the disc brand I like throwing. And it turns out that one of the, or I think he's like the community manager for MVP Disc Sports has like a board game company. He makes like dice and is trying to like publish some board games. So they have a board game channel within the MVP disc sports uh, discord. So I go in there and I see people like it's brand new to me. It's news to me that there's a board game channel and I'm like, Oh sweet. This is my spot. So I go in and I'm like talking to some people and everybody's like posting pictures of their shelves at the time I joined and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do that too. So I posted like a picture of my shelf and I got into this really nice conversation with this guy who I think I would be a great friends with if we lived closer together, but we do not. <laughs> and he's like, every he's like, I'm looking through your games and everyone is like, normally it's like, okay, I'd play this one. I'd play that one. Every game I'm looking at of yours is like, yes, I'd play this. Yes, I'd play this. I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude, you're my guy. And I saw on his shelf in the bottom left, like hidden behind another desk was like Tricarian, Lisboa, the oh, gallerist. Sweet. And I'm like, I'm like this guy. So we got to talking and he has on Mars and he was like, oh, like on Mars is one of my favorites, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm still like too nervous to try and learn on Mars because I've just heard how difficult it is. And he's like, it's not bad once you get going. Anachrony was harder. And I'm like, oh, 
oh, this gives me hope wow. because I'm like, I'm like, I don't think an acronym is not that hard. Yeah. I, like, did I just say I don't think an acronym is not that hard? I wasn't gonna mention it. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking of my English. Head, however, is very hard. <laughs> English hard. An acronym not not hard. Uh, yeah, I don't think an acronym is that hard anymore. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to. Uh, that that kind of gives me some confidence to try and learn on Mars. So. Well, Lisboa first. Yeah, the, on Mars is not within the next two weeks. But I thought it was funny that you know that was what it was compared to so but yeah now i have more people to talk board games to so that's fun uh not just you the more the merrier um so did you say that was it for games yeah that was it i had a slow week uh we saw dune and imax on the board game night and then uh my friend was in town yesterday when i would have gamed as well so more coming this week we Just very briefly, uh, Splatter has a new game uh, yeah. coming out someday that I've been looking forward to, even though I don't know anything about it, but whatever. You know the name. I know the name, Horseless Carriage. And we were talking about that, me and these people, and someone said, I still need to play Food Chain Magnate. And I'm just like, well, oh, Bill, boy. just let me know and I'll bring it over. So I might be playing that uh. this week. Well, that would be a, a welcome return to the podcast. Yeah, they're it's gonna. Been, it's been too many episodes. I haven't played it since I got here. That's crazy. My game group here doesn't know the shark that I am. No oh boy. Um, well, I had one more game that we that I played two sessions of, and that was played last night with Ashley, and we continued the initiative. Oh, and we're still enjoying. It. We're still enjoying it. Um, there is one part of the game that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, both of us have seen slash realized just by playing the game. Mm -hmm. And that thing that is seen or realized is like a a change that is going to happen to the game. Mm -hmm. Like most legacy games have. And we have realized that it is coming and we both want to know when it's coming. But it's disappointing to know that it's coming like it would be so cool as a surprise but we we have both recognized that the surprise is coming at some point so now it's like when is it going to happen but um no we're both we're both really enjoying the game i still really like that mechanic that gugong style mechanic where the one the one uh that lets you regroup the other cards can't be regrouped Mm -hmm. i think it's it's neat like a neat risk reward um system and yeah we played two sessions and that was that was it for my gaming for the past week. What's your schedule like this coming week? Do you want to try and play? And it's fine if the answer is absolutely not. But do you want to try and play Owl About sometime? Yeah, sure. I will get back to you on the schedule. I think tomorrow night is the last day my parents are here. So I'm not free tomorrow night. Sure. But other yeah, we'll than sort that, it I think I'm okay for a game this week. So I would be down to play it. Uh, I like how we use this podcast as a as a time to schedule schedule. Yeah, board you know, games. why not? <laughs> yeah, we're we're both here. Um, but the other thing that I'm looking forward to that's happening tomorrow, not only being able to spend some time with my parents, is uh, we're getting the Secret Santa messages from BGG. That's um, right. Yeah. So why don't you tell everyone what Secret Santa targets. is? <laughs> as if people don't know what Secret Santa is. <laughs> All right. Well, Secret Santa. Uh, is basically 
if you don't know what Secret Santa is, which is totally fine, uh, you get assigned Just a... Two Jews talking about Secret Santa. Yeah, right? Um, you get assigned a random target. So if this was being done in groups of friends, I could potentially be assigned Jonah as my target. So I would be Jonah's Secret Santa. He would not know that I am getting him a gift. He would not know who it's coming from. And you basically are giving a gift to somebody and it says from your Secret Santa. And that person is just getting their target a gift. So Board Game Geek every year runs a huge board game Secret Santa. So when I say huge, it's like legitimately a really big board game Secret Santa. Like the minimum spend, because normally you assign a minimum amount to spend on a gift or a maximum, depending on your group. The minimum, is it minimum is $50? Mm-hmm. The minimum on Board Game Geek is $50, which is a hefty game. I mean, I know games are getting more expensive, but that's a pretty hefty game or games. I've gotten three games in the past, like in one year. Yeah. I know, I think, I don't think it was last, la- I don't think it was last year, but the year before, I believe. It might have been last year. No, the year before. I got the new Dune. I got Horrified and I got number nine. And those were like three games that I got. But usually BGG usually tells you to like update your board game wish list and then people will try and find games off of that. But I know Jonah and myself do a little bit differently. Um, We put like notes in for our Santas to try and work off of. And like, for example, and then I'll let you go because I know you have like a little bit more of like a a note for your Santa. I basically just say like, oh, I've updated my wish list, but I'm also interested in this. Um, this year I was like, I've been trying to get my girlfriend more into board games as well. So if you have any good ideas for like two player games that aren't in my owned board game collection, you know, feel free to, to work that way. Or if you just really like a game and want me to try it out, feel free to send it. I'm always open to trying new things. And like, I'm not just trying to get something that's on my wish list, though. I wouldn't mind getting things on my wish list, but it's a fun time of year to give and get board games. Yeah. So I will mention my little note as well, and then I want to hear about some games on your wish list, and I'll tell you about a few on mine. Sure. Um, so I joined Secret Santa mainly for giving, believe it or not. I think it's fun to do. I like seeing what other people want. I like shopping around for them, and I like spreading the cheer. You know, it's always fun to get a new game in the mail. So I like to see what other people like, and I like to make someone happy as well uh so i join it as a giver and a receiver and it's just fun to see what people might get me because you know i want to try new stuff and this is a great way to do it and with that in mind my note for people basically says that i joined secret santa to see what other people think i might like uh and i list a few things so i say you know i don't really like cthulhu or zombie themes and i made a new uh a new addition to my persnickety note this year but very importantly i end my note with i am happy to get whatever and i have full trust in you and do not you know do not be afraid to get me whatever so, you know, I give them tons of thoughts and ideas and say, do what you like. But this year, I added the caveat 
that if it's in the top three or four hundred on Board Game Geek and not on my wish list, I don't want it. Because I am pretty aware of the top few hundred on Board Game Geek. And if I haven't played it, I know of it. And if I know of it and haven't played it and don't want to play it, I probably don't want it. Yeah, makes sense. So I, I said that, note to have. and we'll see what we'll see what shows up this year. So tell me five games from your wish list and the top three that you want to get. Oh boy! So the issue with my wish list, and I guess the issue in general, is just it's hard to get some things this year. Yeah, like just supply wise, it's hard to get some things. So I'll list off five games, and they won't necessarily be in order. And the issue is. When you look on the right side where the board game geek looks on Amazon to see what prices are, like, I feel bad because the number one game I want, because I think Ashley would really enjoy it, and I I've tried to get into it, and I think just having continuous plays with somebody would get me into it, is Spirit Island. Mm-hmm. That's the number one on my wish list. That's the top. However, like I've previously owned this game, but I sold it because it like sold out and then Kickstarter for the new one came out and I sold it for like 75 bucks. It's like, you can't get it anywhere. It's not in stock. It's on Amazon for like 70 plus dollars. So it's like, it feels bad to be asking for games like this, but these are the games that I'm putting on my wish list. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the next one. So BGG wish lists give you the option to put like must have, must have love to have, like to have would like, you know, would maybe like to have, kind of like tiers of of your wish list yeah it's weird there's Um, thinking about it and don't buy this oh really i don't go that low usually um i usually yeah why put it on your wish list and say don't buy this are you wishing for it still why are you mentioning it oh yeah there it is yeah i usually go one through three so there's five tiers i i don't really go below right um so my must-haves that i would really like to have again are spirit island um dune imperium i really enjoyed dune imperium when i played with greg mm. but i i know greg owns it so it's not like the biggest deal to have it but i would like to have it it's one of those games i would like to have um mechs vs minions you were talking about robo rally um and it made me realize that i probably sold mechs vs minions too soon because mm. i have i only played one mission and i liked it it's just like it's huge it's a huge box so it was tough to store but I don't know. I want to play it again. And I think Ashley might enjoy it too. Um, then the the top of my love to have is Barrage. Yeah, that's interesting to me. <clears throat> yeah, I know I have said on the podcast. played it since we played it that one time a year ago? I haven't. And I know I said on the podcast that I have other games that feel like a similar puzzle that I would prefer to play. And I think I said that I would like prefer to just play Tricarian or right. something like that is what I said. But I don't know. I've always like, I like I keep looking at it. And I'm like, oh, I, I kind of want it. Like, yeah, it I want to try it again. I think. <clears throat> I mean, so many people really like it, and I think I yeah. might like it if I tried yeah. it again. But yeah, I didn't really like it when we tried it, so I would. Yeah, and I I liked it, go. but didn't love it. But if, like, this is this is what I use my wish list for. Right. Like, I really only fill my wish list on on the Secret Santa time of year because. If I'm not going to buy myself Barrage, like I, I will fully admit to myself, like I'm not going to go out of my way to buy Barrage. But if somebody wants to buy me Barrage, I'm not going to complain about somebody buying me Barrage. Yeah. Um. So that and then another one that is interesting that I know I don't know much about, 
but visually and thematically seems fun is the magnificent that's by stefan feld right uh it is it is by oh let me see if i can pronounce this name one minute let me see where it's it is actually by Eilif Svensson and christian amundsen oh right right i'm thinking of bonfire the magnificent has that person on the cover right yeah it's like a a fire tosser yeah exactly person so just thematically like it seems like something i would enjoy so the description is expand your camp gather resources and trainers and set up a marvelous show featuring magnificent performers who can attract the largest audiences the magnificent is the new strategy game from the creators of santa maria so there's dice drafting and card mechanisms with unique player powers draft dice to power your actions but don't be too greedy because better dice also mean higher costs and there's a little bit of polyomino when you're expanding Mm. your camps so what originally drew me to it honestly was like putting on a show is part of what i like about tracarian and i know i talk about tracarian all the time and i haven't played it recently enough and i want to play it again but like that's part of what drew me to it and then just the combination of like dice drafting and like a little bit of polyomino like i don't love polyomino games but i'm willing to play them i don't know it just it seems like a fun game that looks pretty neat and once again probably not a game i'd go out of my way to buy myself but i'll put it on my list and i think i had it on my list last year too really um yeah so that's another one let's see one i've (laughs) one i've actually had on my list and this might surprise you um have you ever played 51st state no so 51st state is like almost a pure pickup and deliver game um it's by the same guy who makes um robinson crusoe that ignasi triche i I don't even want to butcher it it's uh ignasi shevichek i believe is yeah that's much better than what i was gonna say (laughs) um but it's basically like a post-apocalyptic future card slash pickup and deliver game and I played it one time the first month that I went to Lone Eagle. And I really enjoyed it. So I've always had it on my list just in case somebody wants to get it. Um, but like, I don't like pickup and deliver games, but I actually enjoyed that one. So, really? yeah. So, you know, I I really only use my wish list is like games I wouldn't buy myself, but if somebody wants to pick one up, sure. So which one are you hoping for the most? Uh, probably spirit Island, but that's probably the least likely. Um, is that just cause you, it's hard to find it's, right now? I mean, it's, it's out of print in general. So you're really only going to find it if you buy like third party, which most of the time people don't buy not non new games. But I also don't, I mean, maybe I should add that. No, because it's done. I was going to say, maybe I should add that to my info that I don't mind a used game as long as like the parts are all there. But hmm. I would, I, if I wasn't going to go with Spirit Island, it's probably between the Magnificent and Dune Imperium. Dune Imperium, I know I like, but the Magnificent, like if I want a new experience, seems like the most interesting of the new games that I haven't played on that list. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah. Well, we will have an update for what you get in a few months, I guess, right? Yeah, or I mean, I'm usually pretty quick. Like the second that I get my thing, I usually order it and just send it to somebody. Right. Yeah. Some people some people get their gifts and they're like, "I'm not going to open it until Christmas." 
and then good good for us this year because Hanukkah's right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, Hanukkah is very soon. Yeah, so I was actually working on my uh, my Hanukkah list for Ashley. She wants to know what I want. She's like putting a lot of pressure on me to make it, and I'm like, I usually do this way in advance, but I'll do it because you're putting me on the spot. So, yeah. What about you? What's your list like? My list is a little funky. Um, so I have a few. I have two must-haves, but they're must-haves only because they are impossible to find, like actually impossible to find, like have to be imported from Japan, impossible to find. So, you know, Cat in the Box is one of them. Then there's this other game, Ambient Abyssal. Who knows if it's really going to happen. But the three games on my wish list that I might be given... uh, Like the most likely options to actually get? Yeah. The only likely options, to be honest. If someone gets me something from my wish list, it would be one of these three. And those three are... You ready for this? Seize the Bean. Yep. The uh, much maligned coffee Kickstarter tale that just delivered for you, and I am hoping to hear about sometime. Because yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I still think got... it looks great. Yeah, I mean, if you got a refund for it, but you still want to play the game, like this is not a bad way to yeah. potentially go about that. The wish list is the right way to do it. <laughs> uh, Seize the Bean is a love to have. Roads and Boats is a love to have, because I've always wanted to try that, but it's expensive and a huge box. But like you said, if someone wants to get it for me, I'll give it a whirl. And then this last one might surprise you. This is a like to have so the least wanted of the three and that is versailles 1919 you talked about that i did yeah this is the gmt game that i talked about a few weeks ago and i still only got to play it once but i thought it was neat and i want to play it again and i wouldn't be too bothered if someone got it for me so does GMT Games also make those coin games? Yes, like Fire right. on the Lake and... Okay, so coin, if I recall correctly, stands for counterinsurgency yeah. games. All right. It's funny because I have no idea. Like every time I see them, I'm like, I keep forgetting what it stands for. So in my head, and I know that it's the complete opposite of what it stands for, I think that they're called, they're like, come on in games. Oh, <laughs> So I'm like, opposite. oh, look at all these come on in games. And I'm like, but then I realize that it's counterinsurgency. And I'm like, it's the complete opposite of what I've been saying. So, but yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I don't think that I've ever looked closely at a GMT game. What about Twilight Struggle? I've ne- I, I know of it, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah, they're uh, they make some interesting stuff, but it is mostly mostly coin games. So yeah, come on in. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, and that's an interesting list. Do you do you ever think that people like see your note and they're like, "Ugh, this guy's giving me too much work," and then they just look at your list and they're like, "I'll just pick something." Um, I wish people. I don't know. Is the answer? I really hope people read my list because I. I very explicitly say, buy me whatever you want. I don't like these things, and I'll be happy with anything. So, as far as I, in my opinion, 
not as far as I can tell, because I don't know what happens on the other side of this, because it's Secret Santa. But in my opinion, saying I'm happy with anything, but here are some things I don't like, isn't too picky. Fair. Because I'm really not a picky person, you know. Yeah. We'll see what happens. In in your opinion, before we call it, because I'm interested in what you think, in your opinion, what is the what is the game that you were the happiest to like give to someone or get for someone? Like what what do you think the best one you've given has been? Um <clears throat> if you even remember. Yeah, so last year I think the person who I got had and this is really funny because it's a game I hate, had Brass Birmingham as their like must have, love to yeah. have, you know. And they like had this whole thing typed up about how they had played some other games and they've heard so much good stuff about Brass Birmingham and I think they had played Brass Lancashire or something. And I thought it was just so great to get this for them. But I also really enjoyed the teasing that I did because they encourage on Board Game Geek for you to send messages to your target. So you have the option to message your target and the messages come in as, you know, Santa messaging them. So I wrote what I thought was a clever message about this game going down there by uh, by railroad or canal or something because in Brass Birmingham you work with railroads and canals. But this person lived in Pennsylvania and I lived in New Jersey, so I kind of tied it into our proximity. So it was like yeah. a hint about how close I was to them that also they could have realized was telling them what game they were getting. Nice. So I like that one. How about you? Uh, I think for me, my favorite one that I have given um, was one year I was, I was going on vacation when it all came, like all the info came in and uh, the person was just getting into, or not just getting to, they were like, starting to play more two-player games and i guess their girlfriend was starting to play two-player games and they were talking about games they've like always wanted to play but never you know had the chance to and then they were like we're both big like star wars fans and like we're never we like it's just too big to get star wars rebellion and like it's but it's always been like up there since it's like two-player mm-hmm. so i got them that year i got them star wars rebellion um, which I mean, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, so that one was really cool. It was, <laughs> it was nice to be able to like, see that this person was like a big star Wars fan. And so like their girlfriend was also a big star Wars fan. And it's like, this is the big two player star Wars game. So yeah. it was fun to be able to get that one. It's also great when people post on the thread afterwards, cause there's a thread yeah. for each secret Santa year where people post what they were given, which is really nice to see see the joy that you have spread yep but yeah i uh i've enjoyed the secret santas in the past and uh i'm sure that this one will be no different all right well that does it for this week's episode of jonah and ben play board games with friends we will be sure to give you updates on our secret santas and I can almost guarantee that nobody that we're going to get matched up with listens to this. So uh, <laughs> we might talk about what we're getting our, our uh, targets and whatnot. But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Louisa for the great music throughout. Jonah, have a good night.
you as well. All right. Talk to you next week.